I really have a vision to grow this program that any teacher in America, particularly that is serving kids, has the confidence to lead these programs. Before they get to first grade, every kid can name five vegetables. They can make their own snacks with five vegetables. Welcome to the Women on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Sam Saperstein. This week, we're continuing our founder feature, highlighting a founder who participated in the Techstars Founder Catalyst program that we've sponsored since 2021. During the program, these women focus on refining their business models, honing their pitches, and building a network to take their businesses to the next level. In this episode, I'm speaking with Erin Kroon, co-founder of Small Bites Adventure Club. We'll hear about her journey to help children discover and grow to love and eat their vegetables and fruits. Her program assists teachers and families with materials and recipes to help children learn more about healthy eating. I hope you enjoy listening to Erin describe how food education can be fun and engaging. Erin, thank you so much for joining us on the Women on the Move podcast. It's great to have you on. Thanks so much for having me. So I'd love for you to start out by telling us about the business, the Small Bites Adventure Club. What is your mission and who do you serve? Small Bites Adventure Club, our mission is to help children discover, eat, and love fruits and vegetables. And we do that by providing teachers with really easy turnkey resources every month that helps them lead hands-on food education around vegetables and fruits. So what that means is every month we send out a kit that has everything that teacher needs to lead different recipes like super power kale pesto or summer salsa or zucchini with rowdy ranch. And it leads them not only through the instructions, but academic connections, as well as where to get all the great ingredients and ways to engage families. And tell us where the business is based and what communities you serve. We are based in Atlanta, Georgia, and we have been reaching mostly Georgia, expanding out of Atlanta over the last four years, but we've recently been able to scale to new programs in California and North Carolina. And so we've got a real vision to scale this nationally in the next couple of years. Well, it sounds like you created this company specifically for me and my family, because I do have a very picky son who does not like vegetables. Tell me about how you got started with this. Were you trying to solve a pain point that was familiar to you or just for so many other parents out there? I've got a picky eater too. (laughs) I've got one that eats everything, which I was like, I'm doing everything right. And then another one that has decided that he was going to be super picky starting when he was about three years old. It really humbled me because I have spent my entire career working in food education and figuring out how to scale and grow what we call farm to school programs, which is getting early exposure to new foods and growing new foods and trying new foods and making that opportunity available for all kids. And so when my kid was starting to say, oh, I don't want to eat broccoli, I don't want to eat kale or spinach or carrots or whatever we're putting out there, where did I go wrong? The real aha moment for me was going back to some original research I'd read by Dr. Birch, who was this pioneer in food education and picky eating. And she really looked at the power of peers And the way we talk about it in our field is taste testings and getting kids to try new foods in a really risk-free environment at school. Because 
so much magic happens at school. Kids learn how to read. They learn how to write. They learn math. They learn social skills. And learning how to connect with new foods in a place that is fun with your friends. It's more about learning and exploring and less about finishing what's on your plate. There's some real magic there. And so we wanted to take that magic and really put it in a box so that any teacher could lead these lessons. I love this. So tell us how this works. How as a teacher or a community, do you bring Small Bites Adventure Club into wherever you are? And how does that translate into what the kids see? So we work with a variety of different partners to bring Small Bites to communities. And we've reached about 30,000 different students over the course of the last four years. And in over, I think, 350 different school settings, so a lot of child care programs, a lot of after schools, some K-2 classrooms. Sometimes we work directly with schools that are like, gosh, you know, we wrote this strategic plan and we really want to incorporate wellness, but we don't know how to get started. So this can be a good foot in the door for them to start incorporating food education in a way that's really easy for their teachers and not overwhelming. But we also work with really large groups, groups that get SNAP-Ed federal funding, which is supposed to help kids learn about nutrition education. So sometimes they are trying to reach 100, 150 different programs across a state, and they don't have enough people to go out to every single school to lead these things. So we're just a tool that other groups can use that can help them scale food education and nutrition education. So the whole process looks very fun from your website, which I love the design of it, of course. So it looks like it is a subscription-based model, or you can buy a box or a kit at a time, or both true? Now we are focusing on four and eight month journeys. I think what we found is having one box is super fun, but what we're looking for is really teaching teachers. How do we support teachers in their journey to becoming confident food education leaders? And usually that takes some practice. So having them commit to four to eight months is about right in terms of, okay, I feel confident. I know how to do this. And I can teach other teachers in my school how to do this as well. So a teacher then gets a box from you. Tell us about what's in there. What would they find and how would they use what's in the box to actually conduct a lesson? The first step is teachers sign up. And then the second is we send them to our platform, which gives them a really simple onboarding lesson. So they might learn about what are we talking about when we're talking about food education? We're never going to mention how many calories are in this food. The focus is really about how do you really engage kids in a fun and curious and playful manner and that you're really encouraging them to come on this adventure with you. You're going to learn about fruits and vegetables and what is that like? And instilling teachers with the confidence to think about, okay, well, I might not like spinach myself, but I'm going to go on this journey. I'm going to learn about it. I'm going to try it. I'm going to taste it. I'm going to learn a new recipe. Getting teachers kind of in that mindset around exposure and less about, oh gosh, everybody's got to try it. Everybody's got to eat it. Everybody's got to like it. <laughs> That's a really, really important part. So the onboarding aspect. The second is we will ship them all the steps by step recipes that they need. For example, superpower kale pesto might be the recipe for January. It's a great January recipe because kale's growing most places around the United States. They'll learn about not just how the recipe works, but how to get prepared for it, the ingredients that you might need, different academic connections that they 
I might want to connect to. Stickers. We always have stickers and take home cards for families so we can really complete the cycle. The next piece is if they want, we have a great partnership with Instacart. Schools can have the ingredients delivered directly to the school. We also send out a starter kit, which has all of their shelf stable ingredients. So their salt and herbs and spices, oil. And then we do some really fun videos with farmers so kids can see food grew from a farmer and maybe I can grow it, posing some questions like that. And then finally, the piece that parents always love is the take-home recipe. We have a digital connection there where families can go on, they can learn about what their kid did, post pictures, even order the ingredients through a widget that we've got, and they can use EBT if that's something that they need to do. So it's a real full circle supportive project that the commitment is pretty low, less than an hour a month for teachers. And for families, we're not talking about Thursday night dinner. We're talking about one snack that your kid will be able to make with you with some really simple ingredients. So have you done taste testing or lab testing or some sort of research with children in a lab to understand what recipes work well with them or what ways do they learn the most? I'm kind of curious. You hear about toys being tested, but what about your product? I'm so glad you asked that because that speaks to our amazing team. We have Chef Asada on our team who I've known probably 15 years and Jenna Mobley on our team who is a certified teacher. Chef Asada, she has a master's in public health and a master's in curriculum as well, but she's also a chef. She loves testing recipes and she has tested all of our recipes with hundreds of kids. So they're not only tested for will kids like them, she also tests them for the activities that students are doing while they're making it. For example, our recipe next month is Rowdy Ranch with Zucchini. That requires children to pull off parsley leaves. And for young children, three to six years old, they're working on fine motor skills. Folks that are listening can't see me, but I'm showing this little pincer skill with my fingers where you're actually pulling off the parsley leaves. And that is a foundational skill. It's a developmental skill that every kid's got to learn before they learn how to write. Builds those muscles, mind, body connection. And also it's something that they can do really well with those tiny fingers. It builds confidence. So getting them to do that one piece. So we always try to incorporate a few of those pieces in every recipe that we're doing, stirring, sequencing, following directions. And then other pieces of creating recipes are making those language connections. So using descriptive words and pulling that out is a really important part. Some are a little bit more adventurous than others. Some are salsa. 90% of kids are going to love it because they've experienced salsa at a Mexican restaurant or at home. And some push the boundaries a little bit more, like our super powered kale pesto. Some kids are like, what is this taste? I don't know. I think I like it. I'm not sure. And that's okay too. And that's part of the journey of becoming an adventurous eater, trying new smells, trying new tastes, and really at the end of the day, feeling really confident that they're brave, that they can try new things, and also that they can contribute to the family and to opportunities where they can make their own snacks and contribute to meals in a way that feels really good for young children. Can you think of a vegetable that many children didn't know about or maybe thought they didn't like? And was there a particular experience that really helped them get to like it? 
I'll tell you an experience that I just had a couple of weeks ago. We were filming a video for the platform because we like to film a teacher leading the lesson with kids so other teachers can watch and see, oh, okay, that's how you set it up. That's how you're talking. A way to model the lesson in a fun way. And we don't know the kids. They've never worked with us before. So they're not quote unquote small bites adventure club kids that are in the program. We just never know what we're going to get. And we had four kids and three of them, they all participated in the making the recipe. And then it gets to the end where it's like, okay, who's feeling brave and adventurous? We're going to try this. If you want to hold it, that's good. If you want to smell it, that's good. If you want to eat it, the kid was like, I'm not eating this. No, it's a piece of zucchini. And we're like, that's totally fine. You don't have to. All the other kids tried it. They liked it. And then we get to the next part, which is, okay, now we're going to describe the food. So we've got a chart that we've created with lots of professionals and input, but it's basically, let's talk about it. So was it crunchy? Was it soft? Was it sour? Talking about the textures, you're talking about the flavors. And he's really getting into this chart and he doesn't even know it, but he's eating that zucchini while he He's like, I mean, it is a little bit sweet, I suppose. And we're like jumping up and down like, oh my God, he's trying. Nobody draw attention to it. But I think that that just shows the power of you can't pressure kids. But if you can lead them to talking about it and having some curiosity about it. And I think that there's so much pressure to get kids. This whole concept of just try it can get really scary for kids. And when we think about our favorite people in our lives, maybe our spouses or our best friends, it took a long time to develop that relationship with those people. Sometimes it took years. Food is the same thing. You don't just pick up a new food that you've never met before and just eat it and love it. Sometimes you do. It can take a long time. And so that's why they say it's 15 times before a kid can even decide if they like it. I love that he was eating it without even really noticing that. That is great. Erin, we got to know you as you were a participant in our Founder Catalyst program that we do with Techstars. So I'm wondering if you can tell us what were the benefits of that program to you? What did you find so valuable? I loved that program. It was during the pandemic. That was a time that was pretty lonely. And for a school-based business that did not have any tech incorporated, we were really like in a huge pivot stage and having that support of a group that provided some framework for reevaluating, for talking through the twists and turns was really, really important. They always say the most important part of any accelerator program is your peers and those relationships that you make. So I have loved watching the women from that program grow their businesses over the last few years. Very, very different types of businesses, but having that connection has been huge. The mentors were huge. Uh, Cheryl Collin was our lead mentor and she was just incredible. They kind of show you how the sausage is made. You just don't know how businesses grow until you can get that kind of insight. So I love the program. It came at the right time for us. I'm so glad. How do you define and measure success of the business? Success for Small Bites Adventure Club is really rooted in partnerships. I have always felt like the work that I've been involved with, if it doesn't survive beyond me, then I didn't do a good job. How are other people being brought into the vision, to the mission, to the strategy? 
partnerships beyond our business is really critical. So this year we've brought on partnership with Instacart, with American Heart Association, different food distributors. These are wicked problems that we're trying to solve. And those partnerships and really focusing on what do we do well and who can we partner with and the places that can help us scale fast and most importantly, impactfully. I love that. And so when you think about the next few years, let's say three to five, what do you hope the business can accomplish during that time? Our big vision is that every child in America has an opportunity to learn about fruits and vegetables, learn how to make their own snacks with vegetables. I really have a vision to grow this program that any teacher in America, particularly that is serving kids before they reach first grade, has the confidence to lead these programs. I want kids, before they get to first grade, every kid can name five vegetables. They can make their own snacks with five vegetables before they get to first grade. I want that to be a competence that parents are looking for in schools. Does my kid know how to read? Does my kid know how to do some simple math? Can my child recognize vegetables? Can they make their own snacks? I think that those skills are as important of a healthy foundation for the rest of their life as any other skill that we're expecting children to have. I totally agree with that. And you're making me think of that is one of those things, those life lessons, food we talk about in our program, money, that very often kids are not taught in schools. Certainly they're not taught about these things early. And so parents are really the ones who have to drive that. And parents should be responsible, obviously, for these things. But it is very helpful when you have the school, your community, your peers, as you said, to really reinforce these things. So I love this idea that when it comes to eating well, particularly with fruits and vegetables, that parents are getting more support. I think so many of us are bombarded with not only the marketing around processed foods everywhere, but as a working parent too, you find you might not have a lot of time to prepare or you come home and your kid is hungry and you give them what's easy to do and maybe fruits and vegetables are not easy to fix or fast. So I love having reinforcements. I think that's great. It takes a village on many things and this is one of them. There's a lot of guilt and shame built into parenting, particularly around food, and it just doesn't have to be that way. And we forget that it's $2 billion of food marketing towards children every single year, and most of it is not fruits and vegetables. We could all use the help. The childcare market is a $60 billion market. And it's going up every year. And I think while parents are doing everything that they can, and certainly childcare in this day and age is going above and beyond, I think everybody is looking for opportunities to get kids really simple food education at an early age when that window of opportunity exists, where kids are willing to try new things and willing to adopt new behaviors. And when you talk about food education, it's interesting because it's not just cooking or it doesn't have to be cooking. You might think that kids at that age are too young to cook. They might not understand things. They can't use knives, whatever it is. But this seems so straightforward and really built to their age and skill level. Absolutely. Everything we do is really simple. There's no heat involved, no fancy equipment. The fanciest equipment we've got is a blender. Food education doesn't always have to be a recipe. We have one activity that we encourage every teacher to do, which is just a bag. <laughs> 
And we call it the mystery bag and you can decorate it. We have one that we sell to teachers. Throw a zucchini in there or a sweet potato or a lemon and have kids stick their hand in there without looking and describe what it is and use as many descriptive words as they can. And then they all go, what is it? It's something lumpy and spiky and long. And like, what is it? And then they're like, oh my gosh, it's a zucchini. And that is so much fun. Counts as exposure. It counts as food education. And I guarantee you kids are more likely to eat that because you have piqued their curiosity. I love that. Well, thank you, Erin. It's such a pleasure to talk with you. And I can't wait to see how the company grows from here and just how many great fruit and vegetable eaters you create out there. So thank you so much on behalf of many parents out there. Thank you, Sam. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you for listening to our founder feature with Erin Kroom. We're so excited to see her scale the business and to help children everywhere eat more fruits and vegetables. I'm inspired by her approach to expose children to better foods and encourage them to prepare and eat them at an early age. You can find out more about the business at smallbites.club. The mission of Women on the Move is to help women in their professional and personal lives. Our goal is to introduce you to people with great ideas, inspiring stories, and a passion to make a difference. To learn more about Women on the Move and listen to the full library of this podcast, please visit jpmorganchase.com slash W-O-T-M. For JPMorgan Chase's Women on the Move, I'm Sam Saperstein. JPMorgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC.